Masechet Nedarim Daf Ayin Chet. We begin on Amud Bet of the previous Daf. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Chacham Shamar Belshon Baal, Ubal Shamar Belshon Chacham. Law Amar Kilum. We're comparing the laws of a sage who is dissolving a vow to a husband who is annulling his wife's vow. And these are completely different concepts with different terminology. So we'll discuss both. A chacham um, cannot use the language of a husband. What language does a husband use? We saw that. He says, Mufar lichi, Mufar lichi, Mufar lichi, three times. Or, Batir lichi, which means either it's canceled for you or it's nullified for you. Nullified or canceled. That's, um, that's his language. Now, when a husband nullifies a vow of his wife, uh, the leniency is he doesn't need a reason. He could just, uh, you know, just because he wants. She doesn't have to regret it. She could actually want it. So it doesn't require regret. It just has to be something that is, um, relates to their, uh, to the two of them, to their relationship. Um, it's also a lim- limited time window. Um, but also, when a husband nullifies the, uh, the wife's vow, it only is nullified from the time that he makes that declaration and onwards. In other words, if she said in the morning, that she's not going to drink wine, then she can't drink wine until he says, oh, you know what? I'm nullifying it. If she drank wine before he said, I'm nullifying it, she is still liable. So that's the deficiency of a husband's power. He can only nullify it from Mikan uh, Ulhaba, from his statement on. So uh, th- therefore, a Baal has to say this. A Chacham cannot say that language. Chacham instead says the more familiar language that we know from Hatarat Nedarim, who says, Mutarim lachem, Mutarim lachem, Mutarim lachem. We say it three times. Mutar, lehatir, literally means to untie. So if you had, right, uh, Asud actually means to bind or to tie. When someone makes a vow, they are tying themselves. They're making a restriction upon themselves. By undoing it, you're undoing it at the root so that there never was a vow. Or you could say, he, a, sage is okay, a sage can say, and kanedarim. There is no vow here, right? Which again is, means that there is no vow entirely. So that's the power of the sage that. Uh, although he needs a reason, he has to interview her and find um, that she regrets it, whatever the basis is. Um, also, he can do it any time, even after one day. Uh, uh, um, so that's the um, that's a, a benefit. That's a, a, a that's a, a benefit that a sage has over a husband. Um, but he does need to find a regret. But another benefit is that he can undo it from the beginning. And therefore, there's two. That's what, since there are two different concepts, you have to say the right terminology. If a sage said, Mufar uh, doesn't work. And if a husband, on the other hand, says, Mutar uh, also does not work. Lo amar kelum. Now, we're going to spend uh, half, the, half the daf proving that, uh, proving actually all the daf. We're going to prove it first according to everyone and then according to Bet Shammai. Detanya. Zeh hadabar hechacham matir ve'en ba'al matir. Sheyachol. Umechacham she'en mefer matir ba'al she'mefer en odin she'matir. Tamud lomar. Zeh hadabar hechacham matir ve'en ba'al matir. Okay, so we're going to learn it from this pasuk here in Bemidbar chapter 30. That says, Moshe el hamatot. Remember, this is going to come up in a second. That this law, the whole section of Nedarim, is addressed to the heads of the tribes, like the sages. 
Libne Israel, Lemor Zehadavar, Asher Siva Hashem. Now, when we say Zehadavar, that seems to be specifying it has to be done precisely in this certain way. Okay, so what is that? Why do we need to add the word Zehadavar? Because um, uh, to, to establish that, a Chacham can do Hatarat Nedarim and a husband cannot. Because I might have thought, uh, a sage who cannot mefer, he cannot uh, annul a vow like a husband does, yet he can, uh, he can be matir, then a husband who can be mefer, doesn't that sound like he's more powerful? So all the more so, he can also be matir. Now this is not um, a reasonable kavachomer, because these are two different categories. So in, in what sense are you comparing them to just because a, 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 a husband can do something that the sage can't do, doesn't mean that a husband can do everything the sage can do. So really it's here for um, just a rhetorical setup as the Rishonim already say. Okay, but anyway, the point is that, therefore, we learn, that has to be done in that specific way. Chacham can do hatarat nedarim, a husband cannot do hatarat nedarim. Okay, and that's one b'raita. That's, so now we learned one in one direction. Tanya idach, another direction. Zehadavar, ba'al mefer ve'en chacham mefer, sheyachol. Uma ba'al she'en matir mefer, chacham she'matir, en odin she'mefer, this also says the word the word zehadavar. It's the same words. We're going to learn something else from it, and we're going to learn that a husband can can annul, but a chacham cannot annul. Because I might have thought a husband who cannot do hatarat nedarim, but yet he can annul. So a chacham that can do hatarat nedarim, all the more so he can annul. And maybe I would think a chacham can do both. That's why it says Zehadavar, only a husband can do hafarat nedarim, and a chacham cannot um, annul the vow. Okay, good. So now we learned from this Zehadavar, each one has his own path, and they cannot mix, they cannot use each other's terminology. Now that we brought this Zehadavar, we're going to continue um, in the Braita that finds another Zehadavar. Uh, regarding slaughtering animals um, outside of the Kodesh, outside of the Mishkan. Um, so this, is, we're going to make a Gizera and learn one from each other. Uh, so um, here's how here's how it works. Let's look at that that set of Pesukim. This is in Vaikra Yud Zayin. Notice in this context, uh, um, the law is addressed not only to Haron and his sons, but to who are like the sages, the, the chiefs, but also to all of Israel. This is for everyone. Okay, and what are you going to tell them? Um, tell them this. So we have the phrase, which means something very specific. So we're going to see what we learn from it. Okay, here's the basic law. Anyone from Israel that does shechita on an animal um, uh, and machane or outside the machane and doesn't bring it to Ohel Moed to make it a sacrifice, this, then he is liable. Okay, so that was the law that if you have it, the rabbis learn that this is not talking about any animal, but a consecrated animal. The animal is consecrated, then it has, you have to do shechita as in the Ohel Moed 
or in the Bet HaMikdash later when there's Bet HaMikdash and you have to sort, um, offer it as a sacrifice. All right. Now, so this law, let's see what the comparison is. Um, uh, the Gezerashva is going to connect the two to say, just like the uh, slaughtering of animals outside of the uh, courtyard of the temple, that's addressed to all of Israel, so too the laws of vows, meaning the laws of undoing vows, applies to everyone, all of Israel, right? You don't have to be a great sage, anyone can do it. Okay, that's one way we're going to learn. And also, just like regarding vows, it's addressed only to the heads of the tribes of Israel. So too, there's an aspect about the law of sacrifices that is addressed only to the heads. So now it's going to explain what we're talking about. For regarding vows, what are we learning from the uh, democratic uh, um, language uh, regarding sacrifices that the sacrifice are addressed, the law of sacrifice are addressed to everyone? What are we going to learn from that two vows? Oh, this is to tell us that you can use three laymen. That's why it says all of Israel. You don't have to be part of that um, uh, upper elite um, of, of, of learned people, of sages. Any three, hedyotot, uh, again, comes from the Greek, which is the same as the source of the English word idiot. But it doesn't have the same negative connotation. It just means someone who is a, not a professional. So you can use any three, hedyotot. That's, the, that's what we're transferring over from the laws of sacrificing outside, which is applied to everyone, so two vows can be undone by everyone. Now we ask, Hold on, but you're not going to let that context undo the very context in where vows, where it says only the heads of the tribes, that sounds like only the sages. That's to teach us that if a person is an expert sage, then you don't need three, he can do it by himself. So you see, we need both contexts. The context regarding vows, where it says only someone for the head of a tribe, that teaches that oh, a sage can um, uh, undo a vow alone. And the Gezerah Shavah context regarding sacrifices that's addressed to everyone tells you that if you have three people, then even a layman can be uh, part one of three judges to undo vows. All right, good. So now we know what both Pesukim are teaching to vows. But why, what, does, what law, uh, why would we need to learn something about only the elders? How does that apply to the law of slaughter outside of the courtyard? Oh, this teaches the, a law regarding renouncing of uh, dissolution of vows. That applies not only to regular vows that people make, like I'm not going to drink wine. It also applies to animals that I made, or I, any items that I made consecrated. And this teaches me, um, uh, uh, let's see, it makes sense. The laws uh, in, in Vayikra Yudzayin there say, if there's a consecrated animal, then I have to uh, slaughter it there. But the Zeadavad, Zeadavad connection tells me that even after I made a, an animal consecrated, you know what? I can go to a sage and I can tell him, I regret that I made this animal uh, consecrated. Can you help me undo it? And yes, he can undo it 
And so that's what the Gezerah Shavah is teaching. The laws of sacrifices can be, uh, um, uh, consecration can be undone. Okay, good. So that's, um, that, that we, we solved everything. Uh, we learned all the laws that we need to learn. Um, that there's two types of, uh, of um, uh, there's two types of uh, un undoing vows, one by a husband, one by a sage. Each one has to use their correct terminology. We learn that from Zehadavar in its own context here in vows. Um, but once we were, we were, we were uh, analyzing those words, uh, we note that there's another Zehadavar regarding sacrificial animals. We make a Gezer Shava and we learn uh, laws in each context. Good. So everybody's happy except for Bet Shammai. But Bechamai disagrees with that conclusion. He thinks that once you make an animal or an item sac uh, uh, consecrated, you cannot go to a sage and undo it. Once it's consecrated, it's consecrated for good. So according to Bet Shammai, that Rasheh Matot, that said regarding vows, and we connected it through Gezer HaShavat to sacrifices, what is he going to do with it? What is he going to learn from it? And our answer is Bet Shammai, let the Gezer HaShavat. Bet Shammai does not agree with this Gezer HaShavat. doesn't necessarily mean he disagrees with all Gezer HaShavahs, but this one, it says the word Zehadavad in truth uh, uh, many times in the Torah. So he could say it many times, and maybe I need it for the context. And so he doesn't agree with this Gezer HaShavah. Okay, fine, that's his right. And so now uh, he doesn't have the Gezer HaShavah, and so there, he doesn't need it because he doesn't need any um, derivation for this law of undoing Hekdesh, which he doesn't agree with in the first place. All right, so that's okay, except that, remember, we use the Zehadavad in both directions. So what is Bet Shammai going to do with what we learned in the other direction? Zehadavad v'pashat nadarim lemai ketiv lomar chacham matir ve'en ba'al matir ba'al mefer ve'en chacham mefer. Since Bet Shammai does not use um, the the Zehadavad for Gezer Shava. So its appearance in the Darim. Why does it appear? Right. What what is Zehadavad saying? Do it this way specifically. Okay. We have an answer. He can learn it simply um, as we already did. That to teach me that there's two uh, different paths. A Chacham can do Hatarat Nedarim, but a husband cannot. A husband can be Mefer and a sage cannot. Zehadavad. This each one's this way. Notice here. It, uses, it learns this without the Kalvachomer. So from, we can prove from here that you really don't need that Kalvachomer. That Kalvachomer was part of a rhetorical setup, right? You might think this, oh, it comes to teach me not. Okay, good. So now we know that, um, so we Zedavad teaches this law by itself, and uh, everybody's happy, right? Wait, but why do you need the Zedavad regarding the sacrificial animals? What is that one coming to teach me? Um, uh, see, for beforehand, for Betila, we didn't ask this because whenever you make a Gezerah Shavah, you need at least one of them to be open and available, unused, to, in order to make the connection, to make the Gezerah Shavah. But Bet is not making Gezerah Shavah, so what are these extra words doing there? Lomar ala shechita chayav en chayav ala melika. So teach me that only, I'm, all, I'm only liable in this law if I do shechita. I take a consecrated animal and I do shechita outside of the temple courtyard. Um, but if I take a bird and do melika, melika is a special way of killing a bird where we, we, we uh, Kohen will pinch its neck 
the back of its neck with his uh, nail. Um, and uh, uh, normally, this is only done in the Bet Mikdash. This is not a kosher way to slaughter a bird outside the Bet Mikdash. If you want to eat a bird today, a chicken, or anything, then you have to do shechita with a knife on on the in, in the in the proper way, not with the with a nail on the back of its neck. Um, okay. Anyway, so um, so this law, this zehadava teaches limits the prohibition. This the prohibition only applies to shechita outside of the temple courtyard. But if someone would take a bird and do melika um outside the courtyard they would not be liable even though milika is the way that they um uh, that they kill birds in the beta mikdash um but uh, this is this the law applies only to shechutechutz slaughtering of animals outside and not bringing out as a sacrifice only that is the problem okay good so bet shamai um dealt with the two zehadavad and zehadavad and he has no uh, no um, gezer shava. Still one problem left over. But how does the Bet Shammai know that you can use three um, re- uh, lay people as, uh, as a, as a betin to undo vows? Um, because we learned that beforehand from the gezer shava, because it says everyone regarding slaughtering of animals and the Zadavar comes to transfer everyone, Oben Israel, that applies to undoing vows that every three regular people. But once you don't have the Gezerah Shavah, Vetchamai, don't you agree with this law? He does agree with the law. So how do you know this law? No, he has a different derivation. Um, it's going to be the following um, lengthy derivation. Um, but a very interesting one. So pay attention. This is Vayikra 23, which lists all of the holidays. We read this section on the Chagim. And so, based on, on this Pasuk, we have a Braita um, in the name of Rabbi Osagilid, who said, This section of holidays, uh, yes, yeah, says holidays, but it doesn't talk about Shabbat. It calls Shabbat, Saturday, Shabbat Bereshit, because some of the holidays are called Shabbat, Shabbat Shabbaton. So that's how it distinguishes Shabbat, meaning the seventh day of rest, is not mentioned in this paragraph. And Ben Azai noted that it talks about holidays, but it doesn't talk about vows. Now, why would it talk about vows? And what is, how is this a question? This Baraita is very unclear. Uh, so um, uh, it's not only unclear to us, it was already unclear to Rav Aseh Barnatan. Kashyale Hamatnita. He didn't understand this Braita. So he wanted to go get clarification. He knew that Rav Sheshat would know the answer, so he traveled to Nahardea. And to ask him, but Rav Sheshat wasn't there. Turns out Rav Sheshat went to Mechoza. So Rav Aseh followed him to Mechoza and asked him, What does this Braita mean? And this, uh, this Rav says question. He says, "What is? What do you mean when it says when when the Brayta says Moadei Hashem and it doesn't say Shabbat? That's not true. It actually does say Shabbat. Let's check for ourselves. 
Here is Vayikra uh, 23, right? Here's a list of all the festivals of the year. And look what it starts with. This is talking about Shabbat Bereshit. Oh, now it's true. Then afterwards, afterwards it continues and says Elamoade, and it talks about Pesach and all the holidays. So, what does Rabbi Osagelili mean here when he says that there's no Shabbat? There is Shabbat right here. And what is about? Okay, so that's one question I have. V two. Ben Azai in this Braita noted that in this paragraph it only talks about the holidays, it doesn't talk about vows. Well, now, uh, why would it talk about vows if it's talking about holidays? That's not clear. But anyway, but it does talk about vows right next to it. Look back at Vaikra. And you see, right, bef- the, right before the Pesukim, right, two Pesukim before says, Right, you should make, make sure uh, to uh, keep your vows and do not profane my holy name. If you take a vow and you don't keep it, then you're profaning my name. So you see, it does talk about vows right next to it, right back to back. So why is Ben Azai complaining that we, there's nothing here about vows? Okay, so we have these two, two questions, and so please, can you explain this to me, Rav Sheshat? And he does. This is what this Braita means to say. What the Braita means is that it wants to separate and show how the festivals are different from Shabbat and different from vows. And that's why he's saying, I know Shabbat is mentioned here, but it's, it's mentioned on the side. Vows also are mentioned on the side. It talks about vows, it talks about Shabbat, and then it gives uh, the real introduction. Okay, these are going to be the Mo'adim. Remember here, how it says um, a general intro, but then like another intro. And so these two are excluded from the festivals. Why? To teach me that there are different laws. The festivals, the Shalosh Regalim, they require Kiddush HaChodesh, they require the court to sit, find the moon, look at the moon, declare today's Rosh Chodesh, and thereby declare that then the 15th of the month will be Hagamasot. And so it depends on the calendar that's set by the, by the Betin. Whereas Shabbat does not need Kiddush of a Betin. Even if there's no Betin and they don't meet and they don't say anything, Shabbat comes by itself every seven days. Uh, Shabbat is not dependent on the moon, not on the sun, right? Not on, uh, it's not, it doesn't go by a year, uh, the seven day period. It's not based on any astronomical astronomical, astronomical uh, phenomenon. And so that's why it's different and special. And that's why it mentioned Shabbat first, but then the holidays are different from Shabbat. And And the laws of the um, of vows are mentioned outside of this paragraph uh, to teach me that the holidays require mumche, in other words, to set the calendar, right? Following up on this. Festivals, you need to set a calendar, and to set the calendar, you need an expert, Betin. 
uh, they, it's, it's very complicated to know exactly when to, how to set the calendar. Um, whereas vows are excluded from this law. Um, they do not need expert sages. Even the hejot could do it. That, there you go. Bet Shammai is relying on this whole derivation um, uh, to find, uh, uh, you don't need the Zehadavar um, uh, Gezer Shava. We can learn from, from this Baraita, from the structure of the laws there. That's how we know that three Hejotot can do it. Okay, we ask about this. How come regarding vows, then, it does say only the heads? Um, why does it say everybody? That's to teach that. If regarding vows, if you have a va- if you have an expert, then he can do it alone. And this derivation we saw before teaches that um, uh, that if you have three, then they can be even lay people. All right, good. So now we solved everything according to Bet Shamai as well. Uh, one last law, uh, and we finished the daf. We saw the general law that if a husband, uh, a husband has to nullify the vow on the day that he hears about it. Once the day ends, that's it. He lost his window of opportunity. But now to be Chaninah's teaching, not so fast. Actually, if a husband is being quiet, just to annoy his wife, his wife made some kind of, uh, you know, uh, fl- flipped the lid and made some kind of crazy vow that, you know, I'm not going to um, uh, eat, um, you know, f- uh, at all. And so the husband, uh, kind of to annoy her, uh, is not doesn't say anything, right? She's like, "Come on, another vow! I'm really hungry," and he's being quiet just to just to annoy her. And it's obvious from the context that he's doing it just to annoy her. In that case, we do not say shitika The fact that he's quiet means that he agrees with it. No, he, since he's quiet just to annoy her, even if it goes on for ten days, he still has a right to annul it. Um, even after 10 days, right? Because it's all really all depend on the his mindset and the context. And so if he is quiet because he agrees with it, then that's it, only till the end of the day. But if he's quiet because he is planning on, on annulling it, he's not going to let his wife starve to death, right? He's planning to, to annul it. He just wants it to, he wants to play it out for a little bit longer. Um, but he has in mind to annul it, then he can annul it even days later. We have a challenge to Rabbi Hanina from the following Braita that we've already learned. The Braita says, when do we say that once a husband dies, then the right to nullify it goes to the father, right? We're talking about a na'ara me'orasa, where when they're both alive, they both have to agree and annul it. But when the groom dies, then the father gets the full right. That's only true if the husband, while he was alive, either did not hear about it or he heard about it and didn't say anything. Um, uh, or he heard about it and undid it. Right? Remember, we have to fix the language here as we did before. Either he heard it, he heard about it and he annulled it, or he heard about it and he was quiet and he died on that very day. So in all those cases, um, he either annulled, didn't hear it, annulled it, or didn't get a chance to annul it, but it was the same day, 
In all those three cases, the father can then annul it for himself and annul it for the groom, and it's annulled. But if the husband heard about it and ratified it and then died, or he heard about it and was quiet and died on the next day, so then once the, the time period ended, so by the day ending, that's also means as a ratification. And then once the since the husband ratified it before he died, or the day ended before he died, the father no longer can uh, nullify it. That was the Braita. Here's what we ask. When it says here that he was quiet um, and died the next day, was it, isn't, isn't it a case that he was quiet only because he wants to annoy her, but really had in mind that he's going to annul it? And uh, what we see here is that even though he had in mind he's going to annul it, and nevertheless, once the day ends, that's it. The time period, uh, the cut, the window of opportunity closes um, and cannot go on. That's a challenge to the bichanina. And he answers simply, "Lo No, it could very well be that he's quiet um, be, um, uh, because he wants to ratify it. He's quiet because he likes it, right? Who told you that he's, he's quiet because he wants to annoy her? Okay, so there's no problem. But here is, but there is a problem. In that case, these two things would be the same. It says he heard about it and ratified it, or heard about it and what? Ratified it in his mind, but just didn't say so because he's he wants to annoy her. That's basically the same case, um, and therefore wouldn't have to say both of these cases. Rather, it's an in between. Um, he was quiet and without any intent. He didn't think about it yet. He didn't decide what he's going to do yet. Uh, in that case, because he had he was quiet without specifically having in mind that it should be ratified or on one hand, or that he's going to cancel it in a few days um, on the other. That's why once the day ends, that's it. He has no possibility of annulling it anymore. But if he did have in mind, you know what, I'm doing this to annoy her, but I'm going to nullify it in a couple of days from now, uh, then um, the window opportunity would stay open, and that supports Rabbi Hanina. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen ve'amen.